You're listening to Bowls Australia's official podcast, The Right Line, rolling you through the latest from the world of bowls. Subscribe now via your favourite podcast app. Hello and welcome to The Right Line, the official podcast of Bowls Australia. It's episode seven today and, well, unlike Star Wars, things don't go downhill after se- after six episodes. So thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Val Febo, and we do have a massive lineup this afternoon. And it's not just because of our regular panel, who I will get to shortly. It's because we have got some superstar interviews and they consist of three-time Com Games gold medalist, world champion Alan Faulkner, MBE. She's the new high-performance manager for Parabowls at BA. We can't wait to chat to her and also our very good friend, five-time world champ, two-time uh, two Com Games gold medalist and HP manager, Rebecca Van Ash. Can't wait to chat to her. But before we do any of that, it's time to get into this all-star panel that I'm lucky enough to sit with every week. And the first man, he's he's been home for an hour. He's, <laughs> he's tired, but he's weary. He's here. He's trooped on. Clive Adams, how are you, mate? I can't miss the right line, Val. It's uh, no, but it is nice to be home. Look, it was it was great to get away and catch up with a lot of our clubs in our northwest region. It's a uh, it's a big place, is WA, and when you travel it, you uh, you learn that pretty quick. But uh, five thousand kilometres uh, clocked up over the last week or so. Um, and when you work out how how long that is in the car, it's uh, it's Perth to Melbourne return in a plane seven times. So wow. uh, that's. That's basically how long I've spent in the car. So nice to it's look. It's nice to get the opportunity to talk to someone. So that's all right. <laughs> that's very that's very true. And also, I think it's same time zone, isn't it? So it's not too bad. All the same time zone, and, and all jokes aside, fantastic to get up there and visit uh, the, the people that are, are, are working hard to to run their clubs in in somewhat small populations in some areas, and to get along there and work out how we can help them. It's uh, it's part of the the role of being a uh, a regional bowls manager for Bowls Australia. And you're one of the best there is, Clive, and someone who like me is dreaming of travelling five thousand kilometres again, let alone outside of the fifteen. Is Carla Krasanik? Carla, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Val. Yes, I can't wait to travel again. It's something I'm very used to and hasn't happened in a while. But yeah, I'm good. It's um, been a little bit of reprieve here in Victoria. Managed to get on the green this week for a little bit of a roll. Now that we're um, allowed out there, obviously a lot of restrictions surrounding it. But yeah, got the bowls out and um, can't say they got very close. But anyway, it was fun. <laughs> I was about to ask how you went, but that just answers that yeah, question. We'll, so we'll move on. <laughs> we'll leave it there. And finally, last but not least, uh, Lindsay Clark. Lindsay, how are you? How's, uh, how's life up in sunny Queensland? Things look like they're pretty good up there at the moment. Yeah, Val, it was looking a bit scary last week with um, some COVID cases, but uh, yeah, everything sort of settled down a little bit for now and managed to get out in the green. I had the kids back at school after two weeks of, of school holiday, so that was fun. Uh, so yeah, been to a few theme parks and I'm um, just planning at the moment for our uh, Jackaroos, Queensland Jackaroos squad camp, which is happening uh, this Monday at Benoel Bowls Club. So yeah, I'm the Queensland Pathways coach as well as an athlete. So that'll be a, a fun little two hat job for me. Very nice. And how were the theme parks? I assume still still fun as always. <laughs> they were really fun, except we didn't get to do on any go on any sort of grown up rides. So we were on, you know, some of the uh, the smaller carousels ah. and little gingerbread things. So that that was good. But the kids had a ball, and it was just nice to see them uh, really happy and enjoying themselves on holidays. Ah, that sounds absolutely awesome. And look, speaking of, we've spoken a little bit about moving around, and well, Carla and me not so much, but Clive and Lindsay are allowed to go sort of out and about. But one thing I want to chat about before we get to Rebecca Van Ash is 
Carla, you wrote a fantastic piece on the Bowls Australia website last week, and you've got it uh, going or at the start of the week, and you've got it. Um, you've got the recurring piece called Carla's Corner, and you discussed your favourite tournaments to play in, and I found it really awesome because it's not just about the bowls that are being played; it's about the vibe at the at the events, and also just the the community nature, and that they all have their little different feels. So, elaborate on that, and then I would love to get. Clive and Lindsay to talk about their favourite tournaments that they've played in as well, because I like to hear those stories and and what makes these tournaments so special. And this is the beauty about bowls, because every little tournament is different. Yeah, Val, thanks. I've been enjoying writing the piece and um, yeah, I hope everyone's enjoying reading it as well. And obviously uh, last week, the Victorian Open got cancelled in Victoria, which is a bit sad because it's one of the events I love. So it really got me thinking about everything I'm missing out on. And yeah, there's always those tournaments that every year, no matter how busy our calendar is, I'm trying to fit them in around the Aussie commitments and um, the essential tournaments we have to play. So it got me thinking about those ones and yeah, I just wrote a little bit about them because you know there's so much more to bowls obviously we play at the elite level but I also love the social aspect and the the friends and people I've met around bowls and some of those tournaments have you know so many special things so I always try and fit a few of them in the calendar especially the favorites so I was a little bit biased obviously um shared all Victorian tournaments so (laughs) hopefully you know Linny read it next year she'll come down for a few (laughs) <laughs> I do. I am partial to the, the Vic Open. Um, that's where my husband was from down there in Shepparton and that area. And they always put on a great show and um, it just, yeah, a great community aspect down there with the Vic tournaments. Um, but yeah, I love, there's, I mean, anywhere you go in the bowls world, there's a lot, lots of great uh, events. I know St. John's Park runs some classic tournaments. Uh, so getting, getting your name down first and foremost is pretty important up here. There's a uh, Dara Cement Co Ladies Pairs. It's, you know, I think it's a sellout in the first sort of week or two. I actually couldn't get a team in this year so I was quite disappointed to miss that one surely you have some um, pull I thought so but apparently not I've got my Get name down name in. <laughs> I've Get got in my early. name down with that Darius Menko ladies there for next year so hopefully they'll find a spot for me um but yeah just to get get in and get a you know get a few games against just people you don't really play very much uh, the Grand Prix circuit used to be unbelievable back in the day just traveling around the country uh, you know different states and getting to qualify or just having open draws it was lots of good fun um but for me the number one is obviously the Golden Nuggets the best tournament I find uh, in the world with yeah, you know the highest standard um, quality singles players but there was also that one spot for a qualifier to get as well so um, and also a little bit biased but my home club of Tweed Heads run the best tournaments in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly biased. <laughs> yeah it's interesting how you can look at different levels for this sort of a question you know and um, I've certainly enjoyed the opportunity to get over there for the five-a-side tournaments whether they've been at uh, Helensvale or Broadbeach in, in more recent times to get over there and uh, have a bit of a crack at those, you know, travel with a, a group of club mates and go over there and challenge yourself against the best going around. So that's that's probably been a, a big one for me at the at the highest level. Of course, we've got the Everest here in, in WA, which is a, a fantastic tournament uh, run down there at uh, Dudley Park. But, you know, you can even scale it back. You know, people ask me for a career highlight. It, in there is always club pairs and club triples, one with my dad, you know, that, you know, when, when they're gone, when, you know, dad's gone and I've got those wonderful memories of being able to, to play club events and, and actually played a, a state event with my dad and my granddad, no other sport you can do that in. Uh, so it's, it's so scalable in terms of the experiences you can have in the sport of bowls. 
uh, even down to just Exmouth. I met with Exmouth on Saturday, and they said to me, do you want to join us for a few ends? I said, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. I played against the president. We had a wonderful chat while we went about it, and just a, a, a fantastic social game of bowls. Clive, you're getting me in trouble here because if my mum listens to this, we haven't managed to play an event really together and she keeps coming thinking that I'm coming up with excuses because every time we've entered something I've ended up fully pregnant or <laughs> Australian <laughs> duties happened or just recently the Victorian Open got cancelled and she thinks that I'm just purposely picking events to play with her that I know I won't actually get to play. So. <laughs> It's, it's not such the a, case, it's just the way it's happening. Yeah, it's such a special part of our sport that, you know, you just can't do that in every other sport. So um, always, if you ask me about favourite favorite events, those events are always going to come up. Yeah, that's that's amazing, Clive. And, that, and that's one of the things I do love about this sport, that you can play with your parent, grandparent, maybe not so much Carla, but um, <laughs> but uh, Clive and, and a lot of others. I've seen a few other Jackaroos have actually won pairs titles with their fathers or um, mixed pairs with their mums as well. So it's it's awesome. And I think mine would probably have to be the Friday Survivor that we do at, um, <laughs> at, at the office because um, I haven't been able to playing anything else. I've had a bit of a roll up with Andrew Howie and co at, at, at some BPLs and um, Clive showed me up with his, with his non-preferred hands. So, <laughs> um, Whoops, Clive. yeah, so that just shows how good Clive is. Um, but no, yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. And the fact that you can play with your family and, and the Australian open, I think is also a testament to that, how you can enter with anybody you like, and you yeah. could be matched up against an international star such as you two or uh, Lindsay and Carla or or anybody. It's a unique part of our sport, Val. That you know, if you if you thought you were going to line up against a, a Roger Federer or any you know a, a Novak Djokovic or anyone like that, you're just never going to get that opportunity, and you couldn't be competitive. In a game of bowls, you can play against those people and you can be competitive. It's it's a fantastic opportunity. Australian Open's just one of those. Yeah. Exactly right. Now it is time for our chat with Rebecca Van Ash, who does join us now. And Beck is, well, she's one of the finest exponents of bowls in this country. And while Tasmania's finest, uh, it's a public holiday down there, I think. Beck, how are you? It is. Hey, Val. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's nice to join the, the pod squad. Uh, avid fan here. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it, is, it is a public holiday down here. It's actually Launceston Show Day. Uh, but unfortunately, there is no show this year because... Um, Although we've been very fortunate with, with COVID here in Tasmania, we uh, we do still have limits on crowds and all those sort yep. of things. So the show hasn't gone ahead, but we've still had the day off. So That's all right. Sounds like the AFL much. Grand Final day, doesn't it, Val? Yes, Clive. <laughs> it does. The parade day. Yes, but yeah, we haven't had a parade in since 2019 now, so it's been it's been very bizarre. But I'll take it. Richmond is still the reigning Melbourne Grand uh, Premiers, so uh, I'm <laughs> repping my Richmond jacket right now. So I will uh, I'll take that. Um, but Beck, we, uh, wishful thinking, Val. Wishful yeah, thinking. exactly. Um, but Beck, how have you settled into the role? It's obviously been a challenging time, and you you got the HP manager role. Uh, at BA this year and with COVID haven't been able to travel too much. So how has everything settled and how are you coping with all the Zoom teams and, and phone calls that you've had to make? Well, I suppose the funny thing is in in my new role uh, that, you know, COVID probably hasn't changed the fact that I'm going to have a lot of Zoom and Teams meetings and, and things like that because we're a decentralised program. We're, we're spread all over the country. Um, you know, I'm remaining here in Tasmania while I'm fulfilling the role. So, working remotely. So in that sense, not much has, will change uh, for me. Um, I suppose the the disappointing thing is um, that I haven't been able to 
to see the play as much, um, which has been a disappointment as a player as well as uh, as as a staff member now. And uh, yeah, so I suppose that's been different. Um, we've, I guess, tried to find the the silver lining of that a little bit, and you know, we're trying to get all of our planning in place. And uh, look, it's still been incredibly busy. Um, the the reporting that we've we've needed to get completed, and and we've really set the program up now for the next four or five years as far as our planning goes you know there's been a lot of uh, strategic planning operational planning uh, a lot of our our methods around um, documents that, that we refer to as what it takes to win and um, key performance indicators well all that sort of stuff so yeah we've we've still had a lot to do um, and it's probably put the the program in a good place Beck, you've been involved in the sport for for a long time, really. I mean, you're still still a, a, a young person, but you know, you're you're a person that seems to have been on the bowl scene for for a long time. Let us know, um, give give the audience at home the, the message and when you started and 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 the experiences that you've had that that now bring you into this role and mean that you you know you you come to it with so much experience. And uh, how does that contribute to the role you're in now? Well, I haven't been around quite as long as uh, Lindsay, <laughs> <laughs> so a, a fraction younger than her, uh, so not quite as long there. But yeah, I suppose so. I'm, you know, I've been involved in the sport now for 23 years as a player, and and started as a as a young whippersnapper at, at 10, and um, I, you know, I, I was a lover of the sport fairly early. Um, found myself suckered into club committees and and things like that from the time I was about 16. So. You know, I've experienced every level of the sport as a player, but also as an administrator. Um, you know, so I've been, you know, volunteer at club level and, and you know, regional and all that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, and obviously then worked my way up to, which I think most people know as, as CEO of Bowls Tasmania for uh, nearly seven years. So that was, you know, that was really exciting. I learned a lot of my craft in that role. Um, you know, I was able to give back to uh, a state that, um, you know, I love very dearly. The girls know I'm a very patriotic Tasmanian, so um, yeah, so being able to do all that sort of thing. But yeah, I guess learning, learning my craft with that, and experiencing the sport as a player and an administrator at at every level, I think has probably helped through that process. I guess to where I am now. So, Beck, we'll just touch on the fact that you're very proud Tasmanian. Now, you, you probably had a few knockers back in the day that said you might struggle to make it on, you know, the national stage and, you know, looking at you now. Can you talk us through how proud you must be to have stayed in Tassie? You've achieved everything there possibly is to achieve on the international bowl circuit and uh, talk us how that felt at the time and how you feel now. Yeah, it's it's. I guess it's funny looking back. Um you know, I don't like being told that I can't do things very often. So, uh, you know, it's probably been a good motivator over the years. And, uh, you know, it doesn't feel like all that long ago I, w- I was told that I I wouldn't play for Australia while I lived in Tasmania. And, um, you know, that was under previous coaching and selection regimes, I guess. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was probably once Steve Glasson uh, and his new regime came into the fold at, uh, at Bowls Australia and they saw it a little bit different and, uh, they were willing to to give all players across the country a chance, and it was all about performances and and uh, you know putting your best foot forward. So, yeah, it was good timing for me. I'd spent uh, I think three years in under 18s, five years in under 25s, and it felt like I was never going to get that uh, next step up to the open level. And it finally happened. And you know, 11 years later, here I am still in the Jackaroos, and it's been an incredible journey. And um, you know, I've met and. Uh, played against some wonderful people and with some wonderful people and 
uh, it's been a, an awesome ride and an awesome career. And, uh, you know, it probably takes me to that other end now where I'm sort of looking at, uh, you know, what more I can give back to the sport as perhaps things are winding down. You mentioned um, under-25s, Beck. just want to make a point here. Not a question, just a point. That your last few under-25s you were playing with me, so do you, it probably was me that pushed you into the senior <laughs> aspect, I think. But Or push me out one or the other. <laughs> I was saying pushing you up, but anyway. Um, so you're obviously a great bowler. We know you've done so much, um, you know, now as the high-performance manager, CEO of Bowls Tasmania. But most importantly, you're a mum. And probably your best job, I would say. Um, how's it going with Lexi at home, trying to work from home with the toddler running around? Because I'm having trouble. So, <laughs> advice. Uh, yeah, it's been a new challenge. I, I said to someone the other day, I used to, um, when I was away on tour, I used to feel like an athlete that happened to be a mum. There's a little bit of time now, probably over the last couple of years, where I feel like a mum who happens to play bowls sometimes. Um, so that's, that's kind of been a bit, bit. Uh, of a difference. I've also said that I think Lexi might be the only person in the world that's probably been happy with COVID because it, it has meant that mummy's been at home for long periods. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose it's been different. Uh, you know, Lexi does have a bit of time at, at home with me while I'm working, but my mum and my mother-in-law uh, actually have Lexi a lot through the week for me, which, thank goodness, because I don't think I'd get any work done if I was trying to, to juggle both. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. She... Uh, walks around with a little computer around the house, like when you know one of those little toy laptops. And if she wants to work like mummy, and uh, she has a little notepad and pen and all that sort of thing. So I don't know, maybe she's picking up some good skills. <laughs> <laughs> good work ethic already. Jeez, you, you're raising her well, Beck. Um, but the Tasmania Tridents in the next BPL, you must be so excited to represent your home state at the at well one of Bowl's showpiece events now been a goal for mine of mine for a long time to to get a Tassie BPL team uh, it was something I was probably disappointed uh, you know when BPL first started and, and we didn't have a Tasmanian team in it so it was sort of my goal when I took over as, as CEO that I really wanted to try and push the boat on that and and try and do what we could to to get the support for it and uh, it was kind of fitting that it was one of my last projects that I, I finished with before I um, jumped shift ship over to the dark side of the the nso so <laughs> just gonna <laughs> um, take my headphones so, off <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was, it was kind of kind of fitting and it's awesome like I've, i'm so excited to be able to represent uh, the tridents and represent tasmania in in that national comp and um we're very fortunate to have had the support of the tasmanian government that have that have backed us for the funding for that um you know one of the things that we i guess couldn't necessarily justify we we didn't want to use members money for for the franchise for it so we were conscious of the fact that we wanted to respect all bowlers in Tasmania but we also wanted to um, promote our brand so to have the Tasmanian government's um, support of that and uh, enabling us to to get on that national stage is fantastic and I guess my biggest hope and dream out of that is that we do see future Tasmanian stars come out of it I, I want to see the next Tasmanian Australian representative that might get an opportunity to showcase themselves through the BPL. So, Beck, tell us about your teammates down there in Tassie for the BPL. You know them well. Um, have you played with Taylor before? I know you've played a little bit with Mark alongside him in the state team and your super coach in in uh, Mark Strochnetter as well. Yeah, we, we're pretty wrapped with the the team that we've managed to put together. And, uh, you know, Mark Knights has been a member of the, the Tasmanian team for a long time, uh, you know, I guess because of the whole men and women playing state bowls 
separate. Uh, we've never played uh, together in, in any events, um, but, you know, I've been able to watch him for a long time. He, he, they both hail from the Bernie Bowls Club, which has a terrific indoor centre. Uh, so I think their expertise on the carpet will go a long way and, and help once we get to BPL. Uh, Taylan, who is a member of one of our Tasmanian Pathway squads down here, is uh, absolute talent. Like he, he's fantastic when he's in action. Um, I had the privilege of being able to, to watch him at the Australian Champion Champions, and uh, although he may not have got the results over the line, the way he played was was terrific. He's really exciting to watch. So uh, I think he will grow from from this opportunity. And um, Mark Stroschnetter, what a legend! How lucky are we to have him as coach? <laughs> It's awesome, Beck. Uh, we had Taylor on early, I think, episode two or three, and he, he said he's not sure how he's going to react in front of the TV cameras. Do you think you'll be a bit of a guidance for him? Or are you going to be the one that's going to be up and about? Or are you just quiet, calm, cool, collected out there on the TV ring? I think he'll feed off it. He'll love it. He'll love the <laughs> attention. He'll be fine. <laughs> Hey, Beck, I wanted to ask about your success in singles versus your team events, because if you look through your your uh, record, you know, you had so much success uh, internationally in team events and so forth. And then uh, come 2017, you won the Australian Indoors and then you went on a, a real run of singles of singles performances to, to someone. I wonder whether it was just opportunity or to someone that's you perhaps even new to the sport and says, well, I've played a lot of team bowls, but I don't go that well in singles. Was there something that clicked for you in singles or was it just purely opportunity? Um, look, it's funny, you know, I feel like I've probably always done pretty well at singles. I, I went through a patch where leading up to when I finally had those national wins where um, Natasha Van Eldick had all her wins and I was second and third to her every time. So, you know, probably over a period of five years, like not um, – I don't, I don't want to sound arrogant or say this the wrong way, but I've, I was actually quite consistent there for a period. But yeah. it, it's probably very evident in the fact that, you know, you don't necessarily remember who comes second and third in those sort of things. So, um, you know, I, I, I think coming from Tasmania and knowing that I've, the opportunities that I had in Australian Opens and Grand Prix back in the day and – um, you know, even super sixes and, and stuff like that, I felt that I probably needed to shine in, in singles to get noticed on the national stage. So that was always, um, I guess, a bit of a game plan of mine to, to try and get that leverage uh, and be identified by selectors. So, uh, yeah, I think in that I probably played a lot of singles early. Uh, I probably enjoyed team events a bit more, um, particularly once I got a part of the Australian team. You know, when you get to play with people like – and and I'm not just saying it because they're on the line, but when you get to play with people like, um, you know, Lindsay Clark, Carla Krasanik, uh, Kelsey Cottrell, when you get to play with girls like that, you know, why would you not enjoy the team events? So I think it's just <laughs> good a timing answer. thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went on a good roll there for singles and, and uh, then I took a bit of maternity leave. So that kind of put a, a halt on that for a little while. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a, look, it's a funny thing. I, I enjoy every discipline. So. Well, you, on the topic of you as the athlete, how are you finding juggling you, the bowler, versus you, the now high-performance um, team manager or manager for the Bowls Australia Jackaroos? Is it difficult? Are you are you able to draw that line in the sand when you're, you know, the boss lady versus just normal Beck? <laughs> well, you guys haven't given me too much of a hard time, so that's made <laughs> yeah. it uh, yeah. more yeah. enjoyable. Uh, I, I, look, I suppose it, it's hard to necessarily say just yet because we haven't been on on a tour or a camp or, or something like that, but um, it's something that I've worked pretty close with Gary Willis about and, and Gaz has been fantastic uh, in 
um, being considerate of the fact that sometimes um, he doesn't want to put me in a difficult position because, you know, I've obviously got a huge loyalty to the players as well. And um, there's a lot of discussions that I'm also not privy to uh, at the moment because I have that um, conflict as a player. So, you know, there's a lot of discussions around, obviously, selections, um, a main one that, that I don't have any input or any um, ear on, uh, you know, and there's a few other things that pop up now and then, but it's something that we're, we're pretty conscious of managing and yeah, it'd be interesting when we're on, on tour because I'm not doing any work and I'll, I actually have to take annual leave when we're on tour. So uh, it'll be interesting whether I can leave it behind. I've been known to be told I'm a bit of a control freak. So we'll see. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't say. To be fair, only my husband said that. So. <laughs> oh, that's okay, okay no then. <laughs> um, but look, one thing I do want to ask you, speaking of going on tour, who is the better teammate, Lindsay or Carla? Oh, asking the hard questions <laughs> here on the right line. Well, I gave them an opportunity to grease my palm on this one, Bow, and oh, okay, I haven't seen any dollars in my bank account, so <laughs> I had a bit of a think. Of, I had a feeling something like this might come up, and I had to think about this and. One thing I actually realised is uh, Lindsay and I have not really played that much together internationally, to be fair, um, but we have played together a lot nationally and my results nationally have been a lot more successful with Lindsay than Carla uh, because we haven't played together much nationally. And then internationally I thought, well, I've had much more success with Carla but I haven't played as much with Lindsay, so... I don't know. It's six and one half dozen of the other. Sit on the fence. Sitting on the fence. It's not. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I know. Well, who's you know, the bigger pest it, on tour then? It depends what time of the day it is. Probably <laughs> of a morning it's Carla because she's a morning person and that drives me insane. And then Lindsay's a night owl like me, which is probably not always a good mix because one of us needs to be a bit more responsible and say, stop talking and go to sleep. So, yeah, it just depends what time of the day it is, Val. Oh, that's brilliant. That's a great way to end the chat. Uh, Rebecca Van Ash, thank you so much for joining us on The Right Line. You're doing wonderful work with BA. You've done an amazing job in Tasmania, and we can't wait to see what, uh, what thing or how things unfold on the green for you over the next few years, especially leading into Birmingham next year. So Rebecca Van Ash, Bowls Australia's high-performance manager and superstar Jackaroo, joining us on The Right Line. Thank you very much. Thanks, Val. Thanks, Pod Squad. Keep up the good work. Beck Van Ash, High Performance Manager and Jackaroo at Bowls Australia joining us on the right line. Plenty more still to come after this, including our chat with Alan Faulkner, MBE. We can't wait to speak to her. But remember, you can subscribe to The Right Line via your favourite podcast platform. We're on all of them, Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, anything, anywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. So subscribe and keep the positive feedback coming. We appreciate all of it. Plenty more still to come on The Right Line. The sport's preeminent event is heading to the Gold Coast in 2023, with more than 35 nations expected to descend on the region for the World Bowls Championships, courtesy of support from principal partners Tourism and Events Queensland and Major Events Gold Coast. Welcome back to The Right Line. Val Ferbo, Clive Adams, Lindsay Clark and Carla Krasanik here with you on Bowls Australia's official podcast room. But check out Bowls Australia on social media, Bowls Australia on Facebook and at Bowls Australia on Instagram and Twitter. But we had Beck Van Ash, the HP manager of uh, of the Jackaroos on, uh, in the last segment. And now we have our new HP manager of Parabowls and she's the one and only legend Alan Faulkner, MBE. Alan, thank you very much for joining us on the show. I know we've got you up very early in the morning in the UK, but um, we do appreciate your time. How are you going? Yeah, really good, thank you. And thanks for inviting me to be on. It's great to see you all. 
Um, congratulations on the appointment. Um, how are you feeling? And um, when, when did all the preparations start um, in, in making the move and, and sort of deciding that you wanted to come out to Australia? So well, we're really excited. We spent lots of time over in Australia over the years and it's somewhere where we've always been made to feel really welcome. Um, we've loved the people, the lifestyle, the climate and the bowls. Um, and pretty much every time we've um, spent time over there, we've always said, wouldn't it be great if? Um, and now finally it's coming to reality. So it's not a case of if, it's um, it's a when. So yeah, we're, we're really excited about getting over, starting our new life and um, joining the team at BA. Elsie, uh, I'll jump in just quickly. So how does the next few months look for you? Are you based in England for a little bit longer? When do you look like coming to Australia? Where are you going to you know, start your base from? T- talk us through how the next few months look for you. Um, so pretty full on, Linz. Um, So kind of immediate priorities at the minute is I finish my current job as head of sport at a children's charity. Um, so I finish that at two weeks today, 21st of October. And then I officially start with BA on the 1st of November. And I'm going to be working some unusual hours. So I'm going to be working 5pm till 1am um, <laughs> UK time, which will mean that I'm available for meetings um, from 8am till 12 noon um, in Oz time in, in some of the states, as I found out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Different time zones. Um, so, yeah, so it's going to be pretty full on. Obviously, um, spending time with people we care about most. We're moving to the other side of the world, but getting our house packed up um, and taking uh, our worldly goods over with us so that it feels like home um, when we get there. Uh, finishing up from a bowls perspective, you know, there's loads, um, there's loads that we're kind of working through at the moment. But um, as I said to you in a message, Linz, emigrating at any time is challenging, but in a global pandemic has added um, some additional complexity. So we've already had two flights cancelled. So um, we're going for third time lucky. So on Boxing Day, I'm very much hoping that um, we will be on the flight um, out of the UK and we'll be arriving in Sydney on the 28th of December, ready to start the new year and our new life um, over in Oz and, and joining the team at First Camp, which I believe is end of January. Fingers crossed for third time lucky. I know a lot of international people had a lot of trouble with flights, but I think we're getting on the better side of that. Um, Obviously, coming out to Australia means you're ending your own international career for England, which has been obviously fantastic. So how do you feel about that? And are you going to play any bowls in Australia at all? Great question. So just being really honest, it was a lot harder than what I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Um, I think when you reflect back, it's been a big part of my life, a big part of who I am um, for so long. Um, but what's been so lovely is, and overwhelming to, to be fair, is the, the kindness and the love that been shown, you know, around people saying, what a great decision, what an opportunity, we're going to miss you, but you're totally doing the right thing. Um, so I think as much as you try and prepare yourself for that moment, um, it's always really difficult to uh, to kind of finally get over the line, I suppose. So I'm, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad I'm going out on a high um, and I'm glad I'm going out with some great memories and, um, you know, memories that will cherish. And at the end of the day, I'm calling time on a, at a career that I've loved, been very privileged to have, but for an exciting new life and an opportunity. So it's a case of not looking back. It's about um, looking forwards now. And I will definitely still be playing in um, Australia, Carla. So whilst I've called time internationally, the fire is still in the belly. Um, I'm still a competitor 
um you know in, in my bones so to speak so yeah i'm i'm ready for what bowls australia has to offer Let's let's talk about that because uh, you know there's so much to talk about. But uh, in terms of adapting from English conditions to Australian conditions, I guess we talk about a lot about the Australian conditions and, and Australian players being able to adapt to the English conditions, and that's probably going to be a key in the in the lead up to the Commonwealth Games. Talk about how you've handled that when when you've come here and and you've seen people go there and and how how you've seen that handled. Yeah, and I think that's the crown jewels question, Clive, I guess. Um, mm. I think there's sort of three components. Um, there's the technical um, ability to adapt. And in the UK, we're quite used to that because we play indoors and outdoors um, all year round. Technically, you're used to making that transition between faster greens and, and slower greens. Tactically, it is a different style of play without a shadow of a doubt. And being able to um, tactically read the greens and be able to make the right decisions um, based on what the green will allow you to do is, is fundamental. But I think the bit that people often forget is around the psychological transition. Um, so you, that to me is probably the, the missing component around how you psychologically adapt to the conditions that, that you're playing with. And, you know, having been lucky enough to play a fair bit over in the Southern Hemisphere, as well as obviously pretty much most of my playing career being over here in the Northern Hemisphere, you learn different kind of techniques and tactics, but um, I'm definitely not going to give them away on a live podcast. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, it, it's one of those that is it's those three things that for me are the ingredients for success. Elsie, talk us a little bit now. That's you, the bowler. Let's talk about you, you know, the professional side of you, your work um, in the para-sport. You know, I know you've got a passion for coaching in the para-sport uh, field and your work with Bowls England. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your job side of things as you, the professional? <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. So um, I've worked in sport for the last 20 years. So as I was growing up, I'm pretty much mad about sport and knew very early on that that's what I wanted to do. So um, degree in sport management, first class honours degree, um, and then I've worked in sport development. So I've had different roles both locally and nationally, um, and I've worked in both commercial, charity, and um, private sector. So sort of a diverse range of experience. Um, but the the organisation where I spent most of my time is um, at the company that I'm at now, um, a children's charity, and basically we we just want all young people to have the opportunity to find a sport that they love and and experience the joy and benefits that sport can bring whether that's the joy of moving and being active whether it's about that sense of belonging um, or whether it's the skills that you learn and develop through sport so that's kind of on a professional side and then the coaching side of things has come in on a voluntary level so one of the things I love about our sport um, and there's many things I do but is its inclusivity and when um, I was looking to kind of get more into the coaching um, side of the sport, it was, you know, a, a great opportunity to go and work with our Disability Bowls England squad. Um, and I've really, really loved that. I've been passionate about removing barriers, but equally around helping people to be the best that they can be and have a really positive experience. And we've had a lot of fun, you know, on and off the green. Um, but fundamentally, kind of from a coaching perspective, my philosophy has always been about coaching the person, not coaching the sport. You know, if you can if you can focus on people's ability um, and you can ask them the right questions, then you will help them find solutions um, within themselves. And, you know, what I'm really excited about new role is not only helping players to fulfil their potential, but the opportunities that that affords with the 
Um, Olympics and Paralympics being in Brisbane in 2032, you know, that chance to showcase the very best of what Parabowls has to offer, you know, I think is a, an unprecedented opportunity. And if if Para Bowls is in and if Bowls is in the Olympics, you know, what a game changer for our sport globally. And I'd be really excited to um, play a small part in that. I was going to touch on the Paralympics because uh, obviously working in that field, how much inspiration, we're only a few weeks uh, off of having watched that and the wonderful stories that that uh, are told during a, a Paralympics, how much inspiration do you draw from seeing people perform at that level? Oh, like, it's incredible. You know, I think the Paralympics for me, I enjoy more than the Olympics on the basis of, I think it's a great demonstration of, of human spirit and that tenacity and resilience. Um, and for me, there's been some golden moments, you know, whether whether that's been people achieving their personal best, whether that's been on the podium. But I think there's been some really, you know, quite significant moments, you know, within the Olympics, the high jumpers that, um, you know, shared gold. I think there's been some wonderful moments over the last sort of, um, three months with the Olympics and Paralympics and also other sport that's happening and, and boy haven't we missed it you know with a global pandemic haven't we missed the joy and the thrill of of live sport and watching things unfold before your eyes and the drama that that brings so um, yeah there, there's lots of inspiration um, from both in the sport and outside of the sport that definitely look to draw upon. One thing I did want to ask was the the pandemic, as you mentioned, and how is it currently over there in in the UK? Because we know that we do have Birmingham coming up. Um, we're under three hundred days away now. Um, how is it looking over there, and and what's your gut feel at the moment, into or as to how that's going to look? So we we very much opened up. Um, so the restrictions have been been lifted. Um, obviously, vaccination has been you know a big part of that strategy. So. Uh, it very much comes down to personal responsibility um, in terms of there isn't, you know, the, the kind of the mandatory rules in place. But, you know, it's things like being sensible around still continuing to wash your hands, to sanitise, to use masks where you feel appropriate. But in terms of, you know, the legal side of things, we're, we're definitely reopened up and open for business, so to speak, as a as a country. Elsie, how do you think you'll find the uh, first time Australia versus England clash? <laughs> oh, it's a great, it's a great question, and one um one that I've sort of thought long and hard about. So, um, I think, well, you know what it's like, Lynn. When when you're playing bowls, you are you are used to you know being there in a professional capacity, and you're there to do a job, you know, and 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 those same principles will will be applied. Um, you know, for, from my perspective, when when I'm there in the green and gold. Um, so it's something that I have thought about. But when when you think about it, you know, you, you do it all the time. Like I played my best mate, Amy Gaushall, um, in the National Champion of Champions semi-final, you know, six weeks ago. So so you're used to making that kind of distinction and, and there to focus on on what you're there to do. Um, but yeah, Kaz has already sent me a few messages. Can't can't <laughs> wait to get that first picture of you in the green and gold. <laughs> Never thought it'd be happen, but it's a pretty cool moment. Talking about Kazza, you've been great mates for many, many years and you've known Gaza. How are you feeling? Obviously, that will be a big comfort for you to have those guys around you as well in the HP team with Beck. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's been one of the, the big draws around the, the role um, and, and coming to work for BA. You know, you know, the you know, the key people within the organisation, very values driven, great integrity. You know, I first met Gaz properly back in 
Samoa in 2015 when um, we were both team leaders for the Youth Commonwealth Games. So Gaz was there with Ellen Ryan and John A. Davis. And uh, I was there with um, a guy called Bradley and uh, Ruby from, from our side. So, you know, I've seen Gaz in action, obviously. The Bowls community is a, is a small community and, um, you know, you get to know people over the years. So he's very people-centric and driven and, yeah, re really like his style of management um, and approach. And, and as you say, you know, Gaz, um, Kaz and I have had some great battles off the green. Uh, on the green and equally some great moments um, off the green as well. So, and I think that's a great thing about sport is the the friendships that you form. You know, we were playing against each other in New Zealand in the World Champs one week and 10 days later we're on Hamilton Island celebrating Christmas. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't think you can get get much um, much better than that. So, yeah, looking forward to joining the team, looking forward to getting to know Beckmore, obviously know her more from the, the playing side, but I do obviously know that she was CEO of Bowls Tasmania you know, and we'll have a tremendous amount to offer to the role. And also Andy Thompson, our tactical yes. coach, yeah. I've known for, for many years. So I'll be, um, I'm sure I'll be catching up with uh, with Tomo um, while I'm over in the UK, um, just to, you know, see see what he's been working on before before I head over to Aussie. Uh, that's brilliant. And um, Alan, I, I do want to ask, the MBE, you received that last year. How much of an honour was that to to receive one um, after all the work that you've done in bowls and um, how rewarding is that for you to, to see that at the end of your name? It was such a surprise. It really came out of the blue. So I, I still remember the moment now I, I started running over lockdown and I literally was just at the end of my run, started, you know, the warm down and had a, um, a notification ping up on my phone. I opened this email. You know, when you look at an email and you think, this is spam. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, so you, read, you read it like 10 times. So I'm like, I go back and then I think, well, I'll look at it properly on the laptop and just check the address and all that type of thing. I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is actually real. Um, so shocked, surprised, um, you know, but, but really wonderful. I think to be recognized for the services to your own sport is, is really, really special. Um, and because of when it happened after, well, we were still in the midst of the pandemic, but lockdown had, had eased, it was a really lovely moment for, you know, me and my family in terms of that that celebration. It was something positive in, you know, in, in what has been challenging times. Everyone's had their own personal lived experience of it. But, um, yeah, it was a really nice sort of, of moment. Um, but I couldn't tell anybody. So I couldn't <laughs> tell anyone. I knew in the June and it was announced in the October so there's one thing I'm very good at keeping secrets. So um, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's kept uh, very heavily under wraps until it was announced in October. But um, yeah, really special and, and really loved, lovely to receive that recognition. Elsie, you just uh, touched on you know your family and how great it was for all your supporters. So talk to we know Ellen the professional, Ellen the bowler. What about Ellen the person? Your husband Chris, great support for you. Yeah, you know, what do you do in your spare time? A quick brief on on what you like to do. Yeah, so, um, yeah, been married to Chris. Would you believe it's going to be 19 years in April that we've been married, been been together for, for over 20? Um, he's, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do what I have bowls-wise without his love and support and, and again, the love and support of um, my family. So the reason I got into the sport was because mum and dad played um, and we were, myself and my sister were, you know, too young to be left at home alone. So we used to just used to go down to the club with them. Always loved sport, picked up, you know, bowls properly from about age 12 and then, you know, readiness age 21. So sport's been a big part of 
of my life but bowls since I left university from the age of 21 so family-wise um, my nan and my granddad started playing um, when they retired and probably one of my favourite moments um, has been playing at the national championships with my mum and my nan and we won the national triples in 2007 and then we went Brilliant. on to yeah. win the British Isles in 2008 so Bear in mind, it literally is the bloodline of mum, mum, mum. Um, and we've had some great times. You know, we sadly lost Nan in, in 2010, but boy, did we have some great memories. And one of my favourite moments is when she she realised when we'd won, somebody said to her, you'll now be, you'll now be playing for England, Dot, you know, in the, in the British Isles. Well, literally, the colour drained from her face. <laughs> Me and mum going on to play, play um, our, our next game of pairs. And uh, fortunately, we got some good friends. They took her to the bar, got her a brandy and got online <laughs> to order some trainers to go with the kit. So, um, yeah, so, so, some great times. So family have been, you know, instrumental in terms of not only that support network, but getting me into the sport. And equally, you know, my dad now is still my my go to in terms of, you know, if there's something that I want to work on, he'll he'll go down the green with me. If, you know, just want to chat three different things, he's my he's kind of like very much part of my inner circle. And then I still play with my mum now. So yeah, right up until, till leaving, um, I've been, been true to my word, played, played at the village club that I started at. Yes, I have moved away, but come back. Um, but always played with my mum, um, in counties, never, never varied from that stayed true to, to my roots. Amazing. Well, Carla, you can take a leap out of, uh, Alan's book, can't you? Playing with her mum. Um, not just causing uh, or not just making excuses. Um, My hole's getting bigger and bigger. And bigger. It, it really <laughs> is. We were having this conversation on the show before that um, Carla, um, Carla's mum wants to play with her, but something always comes up and it's out of everyone's control, but we're just um, making fun of Carla for that. But um, <laughs> Alan, uh, your passion for bowls is, is absolutely phenomenal and, and we can see it when you talk about it and your passion for para bowls as well and for coaching and we can't wait to see what you bring to Bowls Australia and we can't wait to see you out here and hopefully um, meet you at one of the next events that we have out in uh, out in Oz. So thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program. Thank you very much for inviting me and look forward to seeing you all in the flesh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Alan Faulkner there joining us. What an absolute superstar she is going to be for this organisation. We can't wait to have her out here, but there is still plenty more coming up on the right line I've prepared a segment for, for the guys. Hopefully, let's find a little bit more about them. I'll tell you what it is after this. Fast, fun, and for everyone. Bowls Australia's social bowls program, Jack Attack, is like barefoot bowls, but better. Jack Attack is the perfect way for beginners to get into bowls, with the short and sharp format suitable for people of all ages. Head to jackattack.com.au for more information. Welcome back to The Right Line. Val Febo, Clive Adams, Carla Krasanik and Lindsay Clark here joining you on Bowls Australia's official podcast. Remember, you can subscribe at the bottom of the Bowls Australia website, bowls.com.au. Head to the Bowls Connect tab, put in your email because it's uh, your number one electronic newsletter. Stay in touch with everything that's happening in bowls around the nation. And as I said, head to bowls.com.au, scroll right to the bottom, put in your details and you'll be on the mailing list. But guys... We've had now last week's quiz run by Clive was exquisite. It was delightful. It was hilarious. 
uh, there are no superlatives to describe how good it was. Now, I've I've tried to prepare something that I think might be entertaining. It's it's something that I've done on uh, on the tennis podcast that I do and Breakpoint, selfless plug right there, myself and Joel Frucci, <laughs> if anyone wants to listen. Um, but it's we when we interview guests, we do a segment called Rapid Fire where we just ask a question and it's just a one-word answer, very quick. Some of the ones that I've put in here require a little bit of elaboration, um, but most of them are fairly quick. So... Get your thinking caps on. It's just to get to know us and I'll answer them as well. Um, I've had a little bit more time to prepare for it than what you guys have, obviously, because I wrote them. But um, all right, so we'll go in a certain order. We'll start with Clive, then go Carla, then go Lindsay, and then I'll finish it off. So favorite okay. favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Forrest Gump. Probably uh, The Notebook. You guys have nah. gone. You guys have gone all classics. I've gone Borat. Um, we knew that one from earlier. Yeah, you did. Um, favorite dish. Favorite dish. Yeah. Uh, a nice, nice roast. Roast. Uh, we'll go roast turkey. Oh, I'm thinking like a seafood platter. Oh, that sounds delish. I would probably choose tacos. <laughs> very nice. I had those last night actually. Um, so very good thinking, Lindsay. Mine is my uh, my grandma's chicken schnitzel and mashed potatoes. Cannot oh, go yeah. past that. Yep. With gravy or no? No, nah, no gravy. Just um, no. Nah. Mm. I'm I'm not a big toppings person. Me and Clive are very similar in that in that <laughs> way. We've got very similar tastes actually. Um, cats or dogs? Uh, neither. Neither. Dogs neither. definitely. Dogs. I'm cat. Oh. Tea or coffee? Tea. Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm a big, big coffee drinker. The last time you forgot something important? Oh, oh, oh I think that probably. I think I, I think we all know the answer to mine on that one. Uh, when you turn up, when you turn up to an Australian indoor championships without your bowls, I think oh. that probably ticks. <laughs> I think that probably ticks that box nice and solidly. Thought so was, uh, yeah, I'll go with that one. Thought it was mm. forgetting my name at Pine Rivers. Um, <laughs> You said most important, didn't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm clear. I clearly know where my priorities are. Um, <laughs> no, nah, that's that's really good, Clive. Um, Carla, uh, I can't think of a specific example, but it's a regular occurrence. So probably yesterday. <laughs> it's more a baby brain type of thing. I've got a toddler. I'm pregnant. I forget everything. I miss a lot of Zoom meetings. I miss a lot of things. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> Uh, I haven't, I'm normally pretty good. I, the other week I did forget my driver's license when I went for my uh, COVID vaccination, so I had to put it back another week. <laughs> oh, no. Um, mm. Mine it would be, so recently my partner and I bought an apartment here in Melbourne and for you need for some land and title transfer, you need all these points of ID and I could not find where I put my original birth certificate. Still don't know where it is. Had a copy of it, had driver's license, had everything that could prove who I was, but they wouldn't let us do it. So looked, turned the house upside down for my birth certificate. Couldn't find it. Had to get a new one. So that's probably, <laughs> that's probably mine. Um, most embarrassing moment. Most embarrassing moment for me. Gee, these these do take a little bit of thought, but. Mm. Um, yeah, look, I, I've I've got to go with my cheerleading. So the trouble is, everyone knows a lot about this about me, but I've got to go with the cheerleading at the uh, at the Wildcats game. Yeah, that wasn't my proudest moment, but uh, I did win. I got chosen out of the crowd to uh, to participate in the cheerleading competition at halftime, and uh, I did win it. So well um, done, you know. 
competitive as I am. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I won a carton of beer, which is great, given the fact I'm a non-drinker. So. <laughs> <laughs> These oh, are not easy, Val. No, I've gone. I, I've I've tried. I haven't made it easy for you. I've tried not to. I might regret sharing this, but we did touch on it um, earlier <laughs> oh, off no. air. But my husband recently sent a picture to his mum of our son and didn't realise that I didn't have any clothes on in the background. So there it is. That's my <laughs> most embarrassing moment. Thank you. Just beat me. Yep. You just beat me. Yep. I feel like I shouldn't follow that because mine's probably not that embarrassing compared to that but one at one time we had an Australian camp uh pretty sure we're at Coolham a few years ago back and in my as I've got older I've sort of kind of forgot how to ride a bike <laughs> and we had a bicycle a bicycle challenge and I sort of went halfway down the hill on my <laughs> bike as I took off <laughs> you forgot how to ride a bike it's oh, sort of like I couldn't pedal and steer it at the same time so it just sort of veered to the left as I pedaled and I went bloop bloop and down the hill. <laughs> Look, I don't think any of us can go after Carla. I think that should probably end the show because that that's hands uh, down the winner. Um, mine's of course, probably... Val, Val, if you want to see that photo, you can head to Bowles. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you certainly – no, that that is 100% not true. <laughs> Just a disclaimer. Um, mine's probably – I think I've mentioned this on the show as well, reversing into another car at a set of lights. Definitely not my – my finest moment, four o'clock, peak traffic, school traffic in Melbourne, everybody saw. Someone I knew actually drove past and sent me a message saying, did you just reverse into someone? Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Um, Favourite holiday destination? Vegas. Vegas for me wins hands down. Been there twice and loved it both times. Uh, I'm a bit of a camping fan, so I love to go up in the high country, Aqua Hills area. It's very pretty. The camping, yeah. I'm um, joining Team Clive and going with Vegas. So we yeah. had our honeymoon. We did five weeks over in the US nice. back in 2013. New York was up there until we hit Vegas, and then I'm like, no, nah, Vegas for me. <laughs> yeah. New York is mine. It's uh, US is the only country I've been to outside Oz, and yeah, um, New York was just that was magical. Absolutely loved it. Your first job. My first job was uh, at a video – well, this this is a good one, actually. It's a video – I call it a video library. Other people say, no, it's a video store. <laughs> that's for another – that's for a whole other show. Heard this but, debate. Uh, yes. Um, Movie Land video, uh, video library. I worked there for four months when I finished uni, so – very nice. I've never heard anyone call it a video library, but I'm going to take your word for it. Um, I worked at McCafe at McDonald's. That was my first <laughs> job. <laughs> I – Oh, well, I did one day of newspaper delivery. <laughs> I got paid like $3 and it took me all day. So I only did that for one day and didn't go back. But I did five years at Eagle Boys Pizza, um, which, uh, yeah, had some pretty tough bosses, but they, they gave me a good work ethic. And, um, yeah, I got paid $5.50 an hour and worked for oh. five hours and they only paid me for two. So that was fun. <laughs> oh, great. Jeez. You you really caught the raw end of the stick with your first couple I of did. jobs. I <laughs> did. Um, mine was a uh, mine was retail, uh, casual at uh, Foot Locker at High Point Shopping Centre. So the old, uh, the old retail job. Worst experience that you've had at the shops? Worst experience I've had I at thought the I'd shops. go real uh, obscure. Oh, look, I'll go. I'll go. Um, I just got my brand new. I just got a brand new car, and I've uh, I've parked my car, but I parked it at the bottom of a hill, and uh, about uh, as I was walking away from the car, I hear a ginormous crash, 
and it is a trolley that has rolled down oh, the hill no. and smashed straight into the back of my brand new car. I think I'd had it about three days and there was two big handle marks in the back of the car where the <laughs> handles of the trolley had hit. That would be my worst experience at the shops. Mm. <laughs> no, Ivia, that's terrible. Sorry about that. <laughs> those with kids, those with kids, you've got to have had a bad experience at the shop, surely. <laughs> Um, I, don't, I don't take my kids to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't quite got to the tantrum. To, is it a two, Lydia? When does that happen? The <laughs> it's ongoing, mate. It's ongoing. I haven't quite got to the tantrum stage, but I feel like I'll be leaving him home when we get there. Um, the worst six, this is a hard one. At the moment, my challenge at the shops is to see how fast I can get in and out so that I don't get stuck in a tier one exposure. Is that <laughs> a good or bad experience well i guess it makes it more stressful so that that would stressful definitely be and, yeah just how quick can you get in and out but i do go talking about cars one time um i think i was maybe 1920 i was trying to get into my car for ages after i've been in this in the shopping center and i couldn't figure out why i couldn't get it unlocked but it wasn't my car it was just a similar car oh no <laughs> i think we've all had that problem i don't well, to register <laughs> i don't have too many bad memories from the shop shops are my happy place but uh probably yeah queues and crowds I don't really have a lot of time for so anytime Christmas I, I steer clear of Boxing Day sales or Christmas sales or, or Black Friday sales or any of those big things because it's just not for me yeah fair enough my I've actually got a lot of stories that I could tell about when I did work at Foot Locker um right. But because spending hours upon hours in a shopping centre, the worst one, I was doing a shift at Epping Plaza in Melbourne's north and a guy beeped, his jacket beeped walking out. So I just checked it because I wasn't sure what it was. And he showed me what's inside the jacket and then he thought he'd show me something extra. Um, so dropped his pants and there, oh, yeah. it, wa- and there it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I actually have the security camera footage of it. So if you guys would like to see it, you are. www. Yeah. No, it's I just. I can see how that category got in there now. Yeah. So you could tell that story. Um, no, it actually came up afterwards. I was I was thinking of things and I was on the phone to mum and she's like, oh, why don't you ask them that? And then that came up after. So um, thanks, thanks, mum, for the help. Um, yep. But yeah, I will send you guys the video later. You don't see it, but you oh, see my reaction. No, thanks. Oh, okay. Um, sporting idols. Sporting idols. Uh, I'm not big on sporting idols, to be honest. I I, uh, I, I, I find my idols elsewhere, but uh, but on the sporting field, oh, look, you probably it's probably from a bowls perspective, it's hard to go past a glass or someone like that for what he achieved and the way he went about it. Mm. Sporting idols. Um, growing up, I was. Uh, more into basketball than lawn bowls. I really didn't get into bowls to my late teens. So my idol was Lauren Jackson. I thought I was going to be the next Lauren Jackson, but I've got about three more foot to grow to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. So Roger Federer, hands down, like the the best uh, sports person, the best icon, the best role model. Um, But recently we were talking about the Paralympics just a minute ago here on the segment, but the guy – was he a discus thrower, the hammer thrower from Tassie? Mm. Um, and he was just so passionate about wearing the green and gold and what he was doing for Australia and loved being out there. And, um, yeah, he was a huge highlight for me. And I think you can take them, 
you know, every day there's a different role model or a different someone iconic that you can take something from. So, um, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he was pretty special um, through the Paralympics. And I think, yeah, some of the, the speeches and the interviews after those uh, medal-winning performances or not even winning a medal, just being out there wearing our Aussie colours, um, they were pretty special moments and quite inspiring themselves. Very nice. Mine, yeah, Lindsay, Roger Federer and um, probably – Tie for AFL, Dustin Martin and Matthew Richardson, I think. Um, Clive, your favourite song? My favourite song would be um, Live It Up by Mental As Anything. Love it. Very nice. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> At the moment, all I'm listening to is The Wiggles, but it's not my favourite. <laughs> um, I think my favourite song is actually Cold Chisel Flame Trees. Nice. Oh, yeah, I've got heaps. I don't music... I don't have a lot of, you know, single band focuses and stuff. I, at the moment, Cover Me in Sunshine or uh, me and my kids <laughs> wander around the house singing that a bit with Pink. So Pink and Robbie Williams are probably my two favourite artists. So any of their songs. Nice. Mine's Firestone by Kygo. Um, Val, I have to chuck Love Shack in there as well oh, because oh, I, used to drive, I used to drive a Chrysler 300C and I used to love it, you know, yeah. hop in the Chrysler, it's as big as a whale. Yeah. Love Shack. Very. I thought you'd say Sweet Caroline. Clark. Yeah, it loves it. Or Tease Me, Please Me. It's always always wants that when Teasy's on at the beginning. I wonder whether anyone's ever got that link. We play Tease Me Pleasely when Aaron Tease is on the rink every time and I don't reckon ever, anyone's ever got it. He does. He knows. Yeah, he smiles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, final one before we wrap up because we have gone <laughs> fairly over here. Uh, best thing about bowls? Best thing about bowls is you can play with uh, all ages and all demographics without a doubt. Um, as I say, we, it harks right back to the start of the show when we talked about those moments and being able to win titles with family and so forth. That's the best thing about yeah. bowls. My first reaction was to say winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gold medals. <laughs> but yeah, just that I just love sports. So, you know, just the competitive part, the and obviously I talk about loving the social part and stuff as well. But yeah, just being out there competing and in the sun and having fun and winning. <laughs> Can I say everything above? <laughs> I think, you know, Clive touched on it. Um, the people in our game are so special. Uh, you can go to any bowls club in any country in any city um, and be welcomed in there I've, I've got to drop in that me and my mum won a state title together so winning that with mum was pretty special and the fact that it's so inclusive yep all ages um, all abilities it really is a sport for everybody Carla's hole has just gotten deeper and deeper and deeper what's yours Val uh, mine's the inclusivity of bowls. I think that anybody can play. And we had Josh Thornton on um, a few weeks ago, and the fact that he's won an able-bodied Australian Open and a para Australian Open title, I think that just speaks yeah. for itself. Absolutely brilliant, and that's what I love about the sport and the community aspect of it. And and also sitting here with the three of you because it's been another wonderful wow. edition of the Right Line. Clive Adams, thank you very much. It's been a bit of a marathon, hasn't it? But uh, yeah, hope everyone out there has enjoyed it. Um, you know, keep the great feedback coming, coming, and we uh, we love putting this together for you. And Carla Krasanik, thank you very much as well. Thank you. Yes, it's been a great show and great to be on. Learned a lot about you today, and uh, oh, Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay Clark, thank you very much as well. It's been a lovely pleasure. It has been awesome, Val. Great to have the two girls on. I think if any show is going to go over limit, to having those two girls on, definitely worth listening all the way to the end to learn a bit more about us as well. But, yeah, girl power for the win this week. Exactly right. And big thank you to Beck Van Ash and Alan Faulkner as well for jumping on. But this has been Val Febo, Clive Adams, Carla Krasanik and Lindsay Clark on The Right Line. We'll catch you next week.